Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In today's show, we cover the five biggest news stories from the world of Formula One, which this week are... Williams' project remains the same. We have a debate on DRS in F1. F1 pundit has her say on the F1 Academy. A year on from that tweet, Piastri is flourishing and a team in crisis. Goodman, and you're listening to the fantastic Cut to the Race podcast. Hello, my name is Brian Mylander, and you're listening to the Formula Birds podcast. Hi, I'm Rosanna Tennant, and you are listening to the incredible Cut to the Race podcast. Hi, I'm Jordan King, and you're listening to the Formula Nerds podcast. Hi, I'm Crofty. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go! Welcome to News from the Nerds, the midweek news show brought to you by the Formula Nerds. Once a week, we update you on everything you need to know from the world of Formula One. Make sure you keep up to date with all the latest news by visiting our website at formulanerds.com. Now, it is the off-season, and it's just me and Abby, but I, I quite like that. It's just you and me, Abs. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. It's nice to sit here and spend the evening recording this with you, Ollie. It is the summer break and it feels a bit like I'm in limbo. So it's good to have the podcast keeping us going still. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. I've just moved house. We're just settling in, uh, just getting uh, to terms with where to put everything. And I keep going, where's this? Where's that? It's so frustrating. But (laughs) do do you know what, Abs? I feel like I haven't spoken to you for ages. So it's, uh, you know, during the off season, it's nice to just catch up. It is. It is. Um, so we will be bringing you new shows throughout the uh, off-season and we'll be trying to find you things to talk about. Um, but we have found you five things today. And Abby, would you like to kick off with Williams? Yes. So James Bowes obviously became the team principal of Williams for the 2023 season. And he has now admitted that the project for the team remains the same and it will be about five years for Williams to reap the rewards with any developments they make in regards to improving their facilities and their factory. 
Now, Vowles has previously said that Williams are behind the times compared to some other teams like Mercedes and Red Bull with the facilities that they have. And he said, now, for a lot of facilities that are missing, even if I had a spade and I broke ground tomorrow, it will be 36 months before most of the big infrastructure is in place. That's different to a lot of teams that already have that. And that's not an abnormal period of time. The really quick stuff would be 24 months. That's just getting the infrastructure in place. That's not changing behaviours, cultures, systems, integrating proper enterprise resource planning into our entire world. That's just buildings and infrastructure that's not there. So, Whilst there is still a lot of work for Williams to do with a lot of the development within the team and with the personnel and building that culture that Vals has spoken about, he said a good amount of performance will be seen in three years. But in terms of the bigger picture, it will be five years before they become that championship winning team. And he did admit that the cost cap has hindered the team because they are smaller compared to the bigger teams on the grid like Ferrari, Red Bull, Aston Martin, Mercedes, etc. So they've got their plan, but it's still quite a long way to go for Williams. Yeah, I think this um, this this quote from James is is, is interesting because there's there, there's two parts to it. There's the um, there's the human factor where you know to implement change, it's going to take about three years to really get that effectiveness. And you know, I've worked for huge organisations in the UK, and you know, when there's big management changes or changes in direction, these things take a long time to implement. Um, so I agree with that. But the other thing is he's saying we don't have enough money to to, to spend, and that's because of the cost cap. So there's already a, a deficit there, which means that they can't catch up. Um, and what, what he said at the end of it was, I think what we also need is the sport to realise that on any given Sunday, anyone should have the ability to win. So this is the old you know, age-long debate with F1. Should it be more equal? Shouldn't it be more equal? Uh, Williams have had an awful time in the past, you know, <laughs> number of years, um, and it's now catch-up time. Abby, do you think James Vowles is the man to do it? And, you know, five years, do you think they can really be winning? We've, we, we sort of see McLaren make this journey, so it's not impossible, is it? No, it's not. And I think... James Rouse, obviously, he has extensive experience within the sport. He's come from Mercedes, which has been a championship winning team for many, many years. We all know that. And coming into Williams, I think he can take some of what he's learned from Toto, from Mercedes, into the team. And from what we've seen already, half a season into this year, with him in his first year at Williams, there have been improvements for me, like Albon has impressed massively. Logan, he is a rookie this year, but he is still having some strong performances. So there are point positives to point out from the team already. Five years, I would say that's realistic. I think it would probably fly by. And with the amount of work that Williams have to do, I would say any time period that's shorter than five years could be a bit optimistic and not that logical in terms of a time period but yeah I'm excited to see what they can do but I definitely think Vowles has what it needs to bring Williams back up to the championship team that they have been before 
I totally agree. And, you know, he, he's a man who's seen everything. He's seen the the, the, the good times, the bad times. And uh, he should certainly, from his position, from Mercedes, um, know how to, uh, to, to handle uh, what's going on at Williams. Um, but we've been talking about forward. Uh, now, there's a, there's a debate that's brewing on whether we should go backwards. Um, so shout out to uh, Richard, who is our Twitter admin and also our podcast producer. Um, he put a poll out on Twitter, um, which was a, a simple question. Um, would you ban DRS from F1 qualifying? Now, most people would jump to an answer, either obviously yes or no. Um, we had nearly 6,000 votes on this, and it was quite close, Abby. 53.8% uh, of people said, no, don't ban DRS from qualifying. So 46.2% uh, said, yes, you should ban it. Now, some... Um, it's, you know, some some names we know uh, decided to comment on this as well. Shout out to Craig Scarborough, friend of the show. He said, just give each driver a limited number of DRS activations per weekend, in brackets, let's say 12. Then they can decide if they want it in qualifying or save it for the race. Plus, there's no more DRS trains. Now, there are a lot of other people that commented on this. Uh, I'm not going to go through them all, but banning DRS from qualifying it's an interesting one because what does it actually bring abby what are your thoughts this is obviously a very very um close opinion across the f1 community well obviously drs has helped in a lot of ways with overtaking in the sport however in my opinion it has become too heavily relied upon especially when you have certain teams certain cars gaining a lot more from drs for example in spa Red Bull passed the measuring point of the Kemmel Strait at 340.6 kilometers per hour, whereas like Hamilton was 333 kilometers per hour. So there is a significant gap between the leading team at the moment and the rest of the field. DRS is helpful, but as they've said, you can see a DRS train, which when in a race you have about 10 drivers all within one second of the car in front, it does get a bit boring because it is then harder to overtake. And I actually agree with Craig Scarborough. I think that is a, I think that would be a good way of having DRS across the weekend because then it adds more to the strategy and how teams approach the races and qualifying. Because if you're in Monaco, for example, it's a circuit that's difficult to overtake. If you have a limited amount of times that you can activate DRS, you're going to do it more in qualifying because a grid position is more important then so you can start the race higher up but then if you're at a circuit where overtaking is a lot easier it's then like okay so do we use it in qualifying or do we focus on the race where we know that we can overtake so i think limiting it to a certain number over a race weekend that could add a lot more to the sport and a lot more for teams to play with so there were some interesting comments, Abby. I just want your take on these. So uh, Fly One Hundred commented, and I didn't. I, I didn't think of this. Right? He said, um, he or she said, uh, DRS needs to be reversed. Use it any time you want until you are within one second of the car in front. What's your thoughts on that? That's very interesting. I didn't think of that at all as an alternative. But that could be very intriguing to see how that would work, actually. Yeah, because it could really bunch up the field, right? Um, yeah. And at Fit M Dana said, adopt an IndyCar approach where drivers can have limited DRS uses, which we've already said, but it can also be used to defend. So if you've got a driver coming at you, you can then use DRS to counter that. 
What do you think of that? Abby? Yeah, that would be good. That would be good. I feel like F1 and the FIA need to sit down and like go through this Twitter thread yeah. and have a look at all the responses from people because there are some really good answers here. It would, yeah, it would be very interesting. There are. I mean, personally, I, I will, I will give you my thoughts. I think just get rid of it in qualifying and have a limited number of uses during the race. In fact, maybe I go back to Craig Scarborough where you just have an allocation of when you can use it. But I did like that you can use it to defend as well because you know if if you're let's say P two starting P two on the grid and you get Max Verstappen at the start, you're going to need DRS to keep him behind, right? So um, it, it could be really, really interesting. I think there's something in it. Um, let us know your thoughts. You can email us at info at formulanose.com. Um, should DRS be an F1? Should it be in qualifying? Should it be in the race? What are your thoughts? Um, moving on to the next story, Abby, it is about Danica Patrick. It is. So obviously Danica Patrick is a racing driver in her own right, but she is now turned to be an F1 pundit with Sky Sports. And she has given her opinion on all female racing series like F1 Academy. Over the Hungarian Grand Prix weekend, there was a lot of controversy surrounding Danica because of her comments where she said, she believes the mindset that it takes to be really good is something that's not normal in a feminine mind, a female mind, because motorsport is masculine and it's quite aggressive. And now speaking on the Sky Sports F1 podcast, she has given her view on series like F1 Academy and women in general racing against men in sports like F1. So she said, well, you're assuming I want that. You're assuming that that is important to me and it's not. As someone who obviously was a girl, you just got to come up like normal. I do have a little bit of a, not criticism, but an opinion about female series. It's fine. It can give opportunity for some who might not get a chance to otherwise show what they can do. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to race against guys. If you benchmark yourself off of something that's not the best, then it's going to affect your effort level, your mental goal, like what you envision yourself doing. So you really have to put yourself in the toughest situations and you might as well do it early because it's only going to get harder. So Danica's solution to this was having female drivers partake in proper tests against male drivers to see if they're fast enough and it would be a great way to know what the next step forward should be for them. But then she concluded saying just small cars, more track time and more opportunities to show what you can do is always a good thing, which that sentence there to me kind of contradicts her previous statements. But I'm interested to see what your take on this is, Ollie, especially with F1 Academy debuting this year. Mm, uh, it's a delicate subject, right? So I, I don't want to offend anyone that's listening. Um, I agree with part of what she said, right? Now, I'll start by saying I want to see more females in motorsport, right? That, that's a that's absolutely what I want to see. But I really do agree that you've got to have that man mentality that Danica's had throughout her career where you can kick it with men, right? Um, you know, she, she's raced against men, she's won against men, and you look at Jamie Chadwick now, who's been in what was W Series um, and raced, and, you know, did she win all of them, Abby? I think she won all the championships, didn't she? Um Pretty much, yeah. But now she's in IndyCar and she's against men as well. It's a different thing. And I think female racing series are a good thing. And there has to be an opportunity for girls to get in cars and to race. Um, but it does feel like the next step is obviously racing with men. And it shouldn't be 
girls racing with men. It should be men racing with girls. It, it doesn't matter which way you say it, right? Um, but Formula One's never going to be, um, you know, an all-female or all-male motorsport. It's just that no one's quite cracked it yet. And I, I do feel that that day's it's coming, it's coming closer and closer. It's just, back to Danica's point, it's got to be that person that's ready um, to not see it as male, female. It's just people in racing cars. Uh, Would you agree? Do you think anything I've said there is wrong or? No, I do agree. And I think because obviously F1, it is a male dominated sport and F2 and F3. But like you say, it's it's never going to be an all male sport. It's never going to be all female. That's not like a rule of motor racing. That's not set in stone. It's just nobody's cracked it yet. I do agree, like, Sophia Flush has commented on Danica's point about the tests against male drivers, and she said, wholeheartedly agree, talent is only someone who can compete against the best in the sport, and that is currently still boys. The stopwatch decides. And that's correct. Obviously, if you're the most talented, you're the fastest and the strongest, then you are going to succeed. But I do think that all female championships, like F1 Academy, are incredibly important especially now it's partnered with f1 it's going to be racing alongside f1 as a support series in 2024 all 10 f1 teams are going to support a driver on the grid all the current teams are part of f2 and f3 so there is that bridge between the feeder series and f1 academy to then get girls from f1 academy into f3 to then f2 and f1 And I do feel that the strides that F1 are taking now with F1 Academy are improving the sport immensely with females coming into it. More than W Series, it's a shame that that series went into administration, but I feel like F1 is doing a lot more and achieving a lot more. So I agree with some parts of what Danica has said, but then there's some parts where I'm still still a bit unsure on. I mean, it's an interesting debate, Abby, because you you talk about um, F1 Academy almost bridging that gap, right? And I feel like W Series tried, but it was still a million miles away from, you know, going from W Series into into Formula One. Um, And yourself, myself, we've spoken to so many female racing drivers over the years. Um, And one of the things that they always say is that it's also about sponsorship, right? It's about getting that money behind you. And not a lot of brands are willing to put a lot of money behind a female racing driver. Um, and that's why, you know, the, the likes, just to name some of the best female racing drivers of, of all time, Danica Patrick, obviously being one of them, Michelle Moulton, um, Susie Wolf, Leila Lombardi. Um, th- there are so many, but it's about changing the way in which uh, you know, these drivers can get in there. And I think F1 Academy is bridging that gap because, you know, if, if brands aren't willing to put lots of money behind, um, female racing drivers, because, you know, historically not many female racing drivers get that far, um, then this is, this is how you beat it. Right. And then we can really see fair who should be on the grid and who shouldn't. It's not about how much money you have. It's not about your gender. It's about as going back to humans in cars. Like Sophia Flash is in F3 at the moment. There was Tatiana Calderon in F2 last year. And I think the females like Bianca Bustamante, Marta Garcia, Abby Pulling, Chloe Grant, Hamda Alcabasi, all those ones in F1 Academy, if they can get into F3, I really think that will then like be the kick that females need to get into most sport. It will drive them more forward. And with Susie Wolf at the helm, like you said, she is one of the best female racing drivers. And obviously 
married to Toto Wolf, so she knows the sport. And I think what they're doing at the moment is just really positive to get females in. So, yeah. Yeah, and there are a lot of females that I didn't mention, um, but, you know, I feel it's time, Abby. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So moving on to someone who has now had his chance and is now proving himself. Mark Webber is, he's got the biggest grin on his face, hasn't he, Abby? Why, why is Mark Webber just grinning from ear to ear? He certainly has. And it's all because of his prodigy, the F1 driver that he manages, Oscar Piastri, who is absolutely flourishing in F1. Obviously, Piastri won the F3 championship and then the F2 championship, but he had a year out last year from F1 because there weren't any available seats. And then it's silly season, but this year it is a lot quieter compared to last year because we haven't had that tweet from a driver saying... That I did not agree with that. I've been I've been refreshing my X feed <laughs> just in case. <laughs> just in case one pops up, yeah. But mm. uh, so Piastri is racing with McLaren, and there were a lot of questions surrounding how he would perform. Obviously, being part of the Alpine Academy and then jumping ship to McLaren, and how he would hold his own against Lando. But so far in the first half of the season, he has excelled. Most recently, claiming a podium in the sprint race at Spa and a P2 front row star in the Grand Prix. And Mark Webber, his manager, has praised Piastri, saying, I think it's been an extraordinary few weeks for the whole team. The bar has been accelerated to a very high level, very fast within the group. We shouldn't be shy about that. I think it's still so easy to forget that Oscar didn't race last year. I think the start of the year, it does take time. It's his first time in F1. It's not like he's returning from a break. He's been away 15 months and has never raced in F1. But he is very proud of Piastri, especially for keeping up with Lando, and that Whilst he has had a phenomenal start, he will continue working on where he can improve and get better. And it's great to see Piastri excelling because he is a rookie, but he seems to have settled into McLaren being a teammate to Lando very well. And I feel like he's only just beginning his peak in F1. There's still a lot more to come from the young Aussie. 
There is, and it's been such an interesting story, right? Because you know he gripped all—he gripped us all last year, and we were thinking, "Oh my God, this guy to McLaren—he was meant to be at Alpine. Now he's gone to McLaren, but McLaren at the back of the grid. Why on earth is he going there?" Um, obviously, the departure of Daniel Ricciardo—it's just—he's just been the focus of everything. And McLaren had a really slow start to this season, but. Being a young driver and with the improvements that you've got on this car, it's almost like, right, there's a complete... Well, we know that there's a there's a whole overhaul at McLaren at the moment in terms of the way they're working, in terms of the way their car is. And I think you need someone young who can quickly mould and adapt to that. And it seems like Piastri absolutely has. And I think more the question is, should Lando be worried? Because Piastri's... He, He's given him a run for his money at the moment. And did I expect Piastri to be doing that? Absolutely not. Um, watching him drive is it, it's something quite special. And, you know, I was there at Silverstone and it, it, just seeing him battling with, you know, battling at the front, it was like, well, what on earth is going on? So I think w- whether we talk about is it Lando versus Piastri, I, I don't think it is. I think it's them two working together to, to bring McLaren forward. Um one sort of caveat, though, is is look at Aston Martin at the start of the year, look where they are now. It, it does seem like this year, you, you know, performance can very, very quickly change. But in terms of Piastri's performance, I don't think he could have had a better start to his F1 career. Abby, do you think he can uh, rocket with Lando or do you think Lando's still got that edge? I think Lando still has that edge at the moment, whilst Piastri is still completing his first season in F1. 2024 may be another question. I think the two of them work very well together, like you say. Obviously, there have been rumours of Lando leaving McLaren, potentially going to Red Bull. But in a segment with Sky that he did over the Belgian Grand Prix weekend, he did say that his dream is still to race with McLaren and win with McLaren and be a championship winner with McLaren. So it looks very much like you have two young drivers who are incredibly talented and seem to bounce off each other with ideas and just work like a really well-oiled machine together because there doesn't seem to be animosity. And I think what is good is that they can challenge each other because Piastri has been on top, but Lando has been on top and they keep challenging each other, which is one, good for them to develop as drivers, but also good for the team who hopefully can continue this upward trajectory and finish the season in fifth at the moment. I believe they are in the standings. So, Yeah, I mean, if, if I was Zach Brown, I would not be changing anything. I'd be begging both of those drivers to stay exactly where they are. And, you know, the other side of F1, the, the amount of fans that McLaren have attracted just in the last few months is just incredible. And again, being at Silverstone, it, there were more McLaren shirts than there were um, the classic Patronus Mercedes shirts. And that's something I haven't seen for years and years. And I, do you know what? I just think the McLaren hype train right now, it's brilliant. I'm on it. Um, and I'm not getting off at the <laughs> next station either i'm absolutely loving what mccarran are doing and i can't wait to see them get a win it's just a matter of when isn't it um and the circumstances obviously um but we must move on to our final story which is a team that aren't doing as well um now they were close but as always helmet marco has the solution um abby would you like to say uh let us know what helmet marco has come up with this week Yes, so obviously at the moment there are 10 teams on the grid, but the FIA did open applications for more teams to put in an application as to joining F1 from like 2026. And of those, you have Andretti, High Tech Grand Prix and Lucky Sons. 
and a decision will be made in September about an 11th team. But Helmut Marko believes that Andretti, who have signed a contract with General Motors to form Andretti Cadillac, he believes that Andretti should buy Alpine, especially since (laughs) Alpine have recently lost their CEO, team principal, chief technical officer and sporting director, all within a matter of a few weeks. And Marko said Andretti should by the Alpine team. That would be best served for everyone. Formula One would keep its 10 teams, Andretti could finally get in, and Renault would still be involved. Now, I don't really see much weight to this. I think it is just Helmut Marco giving his opinion. Whether Alpine and Andretti will pay any attention to it, who knows? But it's interesting to see Marco's take on it. Do you know what? For once, I think... He's got a point, right? Now, would this ever happen? Uh, no. Um, it's French team. It's Renault. Um, they're not going to be bought by Andretti or Cadillac. <laughs> However, it does seem like... It's not a daft suggestion, you know. They, they are in a state of turmoil. Um, and, you know, Andretti coming in with all the resources and contacts they have, it could bring them back up. Um, I think it is hot air, though, but I, I, you've got to love Helmet Marco and the stuff he comes out with. <laughs> it is just comedy gold. Um, but it is a talking point. Abby, do you... I mean, it's not going to happen, let's be honest, but do you think he's got a point? I think he's got a point that something needs to happen with Alpine because they were the team that inquired about engine equalisation, saying that their Renault engine wasn't quite up to par with all the others, which left them as a disadvantage. As we said, a lot of personnel changes. They haven't really had a great season so far, apart from a podium in Monaco with Ocon. Nothing seems to have really gone their way or like stood out as a positive. So it's not going to happen, Andressi, Alpine. But, you know, it might be something that Alpine pay attention and go, you know what? We do need to do something. Not quite that drastic and that Andretti bars out, but something. You never know. Helmet Marker might know something, and this may be the way that he's just uh, creating the rumours and getting everyone ready. He wants to be the guy that broke the news. Um, again, I don't really believe that, but you never know. Um, and that's about all we've got time for, Abby. I've really enjoyed it. It's been good to see you. Uh, good to catch up on all the latest news. Um, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure as always. And we will be back hopefully next week if there is some news and some things to talk about uh, with more news. So until then, thank you for joining us and goodbye. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out and away we go. Sports Social Podcast Network.